You are listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin here today by um, calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who lived well and who died well and who carry with them the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to these people who lived in different ways here in the world, so different that we can't quite imagine that they didn't conceive of some of the most basic things in our lives in the same ways that we do. They didn't see love the same way. They didn't see death the same way. And in many ways, they didn't see the purpose of life in the same way. And so we call out to these ancestors to bring forward these ancient memories and to help us to understand love and life and death And all that we are here to do as the living in a different way so that our days here, which are truly numbered, it's such a very short time, so that our days here are spent well, spent learning and growing and expressing those things that need to come out in the world. And we ask these ancestors to help us to respond to the needs of our time to respond to the unique demands that our time offers us and to do so in a way that will be good for the next seven generations, not just for us now to maintain our excessive way of life, but for all life and for the life that is coming. So we call out to these ancestors to help us to find our wisdom and find our strength, to help us to find our clarity of vision and the love that is necessary to bring a new vision of life into the world. And so we ask these ancestors to gather around and we give great gratitude for their presence. And through these ancestors, we reach out to the even older and more ancient ancestors in nature, the planet, the sun, the moon, in the elements. And we call out to these ancestors to help us to remember our own elemental nature so we can be not quite so distracted in the ins and outs and ups and downs and the dramas of being human. So with these ancestors gathered round, we give great, great gratitude and feel ourselves held well. And in that holding, we reach up and gather ourselves and draw ourselves into our mind and from our mind down into our hearts, from our hearts down into our bellies, and from our bellies down, we begin to reach for the earth. And there at the earth, let us touch the earth for a moment with our heart and with our gratitude and give thanks for this day. Thanks for our lives. Thanks for all that has been on our path that has brought us to this moment, even those things we have not yet learned to understand as a gift. And we give thanks for the many, many rich gifts that have already come our way. And we give thanks for all of those gifts and opportunities that came our way, and we missed that moment. We give thanks for this great generosity in life. We give thanks for the beauty. Thanks for the diversity. Thanks for the opportunity And thanks ultimately for this miracle of life. And we take a moment to remember we don't actually know where life comes from. We don't actually know how the body heals. There's many things we take utterly and completely for granted that we do not know. And these are the very root of our everyday miracles. And we give great thanks to the earth for life as we experience it. And with this great, great gratitude in our heart, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, reaching through, touching the many changes in the earth energy as we reach down through the crust and the molten layers and all the way down into the very center of the earth, this very essential energy, this energy that rejuvenates and restores and replenishes us. And we touch this energy and give great gratitude to this place of silence and stillness. 
is place of restoration. And we draw this energy up, up through all the layers of the earth with great, great gratitude. We draw it into our lives and we ask the energy of the earth with all this wisdom of manifestation to help us to understand how to live in a way that we are grounded in our bodies, in our homes in this place on earth and that we create and cultivate a sense of hearth and home and we do so in a way that not only reaches out with the strong bonds of friends and families but opens the way to the other that we each might come to know the person we haven't become yet that we can all become the people who will write a new story for the new world and so we open our homes we set a place at the table for someone other than who we are and we invite them in and for this great diversity on the earth we are greatly greatly thankful as we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to feel connection within ourselves at the very least and connection with our environment connection with each other connection with all the other living things and with the invisible world and may we feel through this connection and interconnection ultimately the oneness of all things and may we take from that feeling even if it is just a moment of insight may we come into right relationship with ourself right relationship with all other things and may that right relationship be based on the fact the simple truth that everything is one with all things we are one with all things and everything thus is a manifestation of the divine so with this blessing this this knowing this truth is a great blessing so with this blessing let us raise our energy from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and send this energy up and out through the sky whatever weather it holds for you today out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos rising all the way up to the very highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that power, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. But it, whatever way you understand it, the important thing is that you reach out to it and you see yourself in it and it in you and you draw it down. Drawing down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, the essential energy of blessing and protection, the grace in this universe of its benevolence and the beneficence of this existence. And we call in devotion and commitment and excellence and the inspiration and illumination that allows us to find our way in a way that is not exactly the same as yesterday. And so we call these energies in, drawing them into ourselves, into our head and our heart, our heart to our belly and send them all the way down to the center of the earth so that the earth and sky are connected within us. These two great legendary lovers, the beginning of all things, coming from these two and their dance of union. And we let that dance of that big love open and awaken the spirit of our hearts and we call out to our hearts to open that powerful crucible of the heart that can hold the fiery passions of the belly without damping them and can draw down the crystal clarity of the mind without doubting them and bring these energies together in a way that they can dance and create in that dynamic tension in their, in their differences that they can create that third and most sacred thing, which is that memory we carry in the heart of why we are here. And may you find in your human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift that you're here to give to the world out in some way. So we give great, great gratitude to all of the energies gathered around us, above and below, and the heart that we carry within. And I give special gratitude to Louisa, to Sherwood, Chelsea, Katrina, and all the other listeners who have donated to the show. Um, if the show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you into tears, moves you to frustration and irritation, if it moves you in any way, you have been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do this most fundamental of shamanic understandings, which is that our actions in the world need to be motivated by our hearts. So I ask you to let your heart motivate you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow and to be vital, to be relevant, and to be strong. 
And so for those of you that can donate to the show, please do so at whyshamanismnow.com. You can click the donate button and donate any amount, large or small. Um, It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. If you're not comfortable paying online, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy um, to give you a regular address for a regular old check. And again, I'm grateful for all of it. And for those of you that do the other things that aren't able to donate financially, but do the many other things that help the show to be alive, sending in your questions, sending in what you're doing with the teachings in the show, in your work, in your journey circles, in your life, all of these things help. They help the show to answer the big question, which is how do we become different people so that we will dream a different dream and tell a different story to shape the new world in a way that is different from the old? And how do we do this in a way that is good for the people that will stand at the end of this world and look back? And this is, this is the big question. And I give thanks to all of you that are helping me to do my best to be part of that answer. So we are live today, and if you have any questions about today's topic, we're continuing to talk about awakening the courageous heart and why this is important and why simply talking about it, working at it through the mind is not sufficient. It's not a bad thing to do. It's not a waste of time, but it is not sufficient. It does not serve to truly awaken the courage that lives only in the heart. And so um, you're welcome to call in if you have questions about today's topic at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site if you're listening live. And otherwise, um, if you're listening at any time to the show, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And many, many of your questions, as simple as you may think they are, turn into really excellent shows that other people are deeply grateful uh, that you've asked the question that provoked the show. So don't be afraid to send those questions in. So this weekend, I was with my Qigong teacher um, studying. It's always good for teachers to be students and students at times to be teachers, and for us to not get overly identified with our roles in life. Um, And so having been uh, nourished by this time with my teacher, that I wanted to, I kind of changed today's show a little bit to begin, because he reminded me of the reason for me that shamanism and Taoism are so deeply aligned in my own practice and my own work. And so what Master Lee said this weekend is so profoundly shamanic and Taoistic. But he said that the original energy is love. And that this energy was born of the first dreamer. Well, actually, I said this part. Born of the first dreamer before time, before space, before energy, before even dreams. That that original energy of that dream is love. And then... As Master Lee explained, from love comes qi. And from qi comes yin and yang, the two expressions of qi. And from the constant transformation of yin and yang, moving in and out, and and constantly moving, pulsing, breathing, comes everything. And that this is another way of saying exactly what the shamanic people say when they talk about the first dreamer. And the first dreamer uh, producing, the first dream producing grandfather fire and grandmother ice and how they dreamt and everything came out of that dream. And everything that is part of that dream is a dreamer. And this is, this is critically important for what we're talking about here today when we get um, through the eons of that dream to the point of the dreamers dreaming up a human heart. So from qi comes yin and yang energy. And from the constant transformation of yin and yang comes everything. Absolutely everything. You, me, the places we live, the air we breathe, the feelings we feel, our feelings of love and fear. All of it, everything ultimately, originally comes from the original energy of love. So everything comes from love. Everything is an embodiment of love. That we are, we, each of us, is an embodiment of love. And we kind of know this these days in theory. 
with all the talk, all the words, all the practices um, that people are doing and all the conversations out there in social network and on the internet, it's all about we supposedly know this, that we are an embodiment of love. We are one, we are divine, we are love, all these things, right? So I ask you then, why are we so afraid to feel? Why do we fear the emotional intelligence of the heart if we are already at our very essence, this love in the first place? So the heart affects mental clarity, creativity, emotional balance, and personal effectiveness. And I mean personal effectiveness as in the decisions you make as the CEO to run your gajillion dollar company. Your heart affects those decisions. And it is no, the heart is no more a simple physical pump than it is the pathetic source of tepid pop songs and foolish, fantastical dreams, um, new age visions of what we want to do with our lives and how the aliens were going to come and save us all um, in December or on the winter solstice of 2012. Like these are fantastical dreams, right? So why are we so afraid to use our hearts to feel? So the Chinese have known for centuries that the heart orchestrates the harmonious interaction of all the body's organs, which maintains good health. Like Master Li said, to move the love is to move the qi and is to maintain and sustain health. Stagnate the love, we stagnate the qi. And stagnation leads to death. So modern science itself has known since 1991, so at least in my lifetime, that the heart has a functional brain that is utterly independent of the cranial brain. So the heart brain has its own elaborate circuitry that enables it to learn, remember, feel, and sense independent of the head brain, right? And shamans have always known this. They certainly didn't do the math and the science. Um, the heart math people are doing a lot of this now. Um, but the shamans who work in intimate relationship with energies of the invisible world, energies of the physical world, they have always known that the true power of our presence, of our effect in the world is mediated through the heart because it's through the heart that we create this intimate relationship with this heart brain that is able to coordinate and orchestrate things, unlike the mental brain. And this has been a deep uh, knowing in, in the shamanic realm in particular, because shamans operate through relationship with ordinary physical things and non-ordinary invisible things all the time. And so this cultivation and maintaining of relationships must be done in a way that is based on that origin love, not on codependent, need-based, addictive, um, contemporary American love, right? So we have this information swirling in our lives, and yet we as a culture of people are profoundly afraid to feel. And there are many, many changes that I have seen in the over 20 years of my practice. And some of these changes are great. Like most people know what a soul retrieval is. I mean, not all my clients, but most of them do now, whereas in the past, most of them didn't. It was the rare individual that really didn't know what a soul retrieval was. Now it's the rare individual. Um, no, it was the rare individual that did know what a soul retrieval was. And now in just 20 years. It's the rare individual that doesn't, right? And that people know how to journey now and so they can better integrate the shamanic work that I do with them. Um, there are many, many wonderful changes in these you know, last two, almost three decades of practice. But there are some very sad changes in this time as well, at least in my opinion. In my heart, they feel very sad I actually experience people saying as they're presenting problem that they don't want to feel. And I've said this before on other shows, but this is important. You know, people used to say, I don't want to feel bad all the time, which is understandable. 
Um, or they would say, I don't want to be depressed anymore, which is completely understandable. Or people would even say, I don't want to always feel everybody else's feelings. I don't want to be overrun by everybody else's emotions. Again, totally understandable presenting issues in a shamanic healing session. Now people say, I don't want to feel. As if not feeling anything is actually the goal of a spiritual practice. To be, to be a spiritual person is to not feel anything. To be even at all times. To not respond to your world. Now maybe if we live in a perfect utopian world, I don't know, maybe that would be true. But we don't. We live in a profound time of change. Not just changes that are happening, but changes that must happen. Things we must do now for the new world to be different than the old. And the old world is not sustainable. We know this. I don't even have to go into why. The old world is crashing all around us. And it has been now for years. Things must change. It's not that they are. I mean, they are. But that's not my point. My point is we must change so that we create solutions that are different. And the only way we're going to do that is if we awaken the courage in our hearts to do that. So the other thing that's important to understand is that no, not feeling at all is not the goal of any spiritual practice. That is not the point to not feel, to to deny feelings that are there. But that's actually a construct of the pharmaceutical companies, this idea that you should go through your life numbed out and not feeling. And if you don't feel, you understand, if you do not feel your feelings, you will stagnate your heart. No love moving, no chi moving is stagnation. So you will go back to the doctor then for all of the other health problems that begin to evolve from not allowing your heart to move because it is the heart that orchestrates all the organs to operate as a whole. So if you do not move your feelings, if you do not feel your feelings, you do not move them in your heart, you cannot maintain health. That's a basic point that I'm really trying to make here because regardless of the strategy you've created to not feel, whether it's pharmaceutical or willful or habitual or whatever it is, your heart is still feeling and you are stagnating those feelings. You stagnate the feelings, you stagnate the heart, you stagnate the chi, and the heart can't do its job to flow, to move the organs in a healthy, complex, interacting whole that makes you a healthy human. So in our honest misunderstanding of spiritual practices. I mean, we, we, we didn't get it because we were bringing other philosophies in through the fine and very um, definitive great of the Western mind, which filters a lot of good information out or misunderstands it. But then there's also the very intentional misunder- misinformation that we get constantly from the big business of healthcare. I had a client sit across from me the other day that was uh, going to the doctor to get some help and some referrals to deal with her depression and they wanted to put her on pharmaceuticals and she didn't want to be on pharmaceuticals because she knew the depression was a legitimate response to the stuff that was going on in her life. She just wanted help dealing with it. Frankly, she wanted a good therapist, a referral to a good therapist. And they actually told her point blank, if you do not take these pharmaceuticals, You will not be able to deal with your depression and you need to just accept it because you will be depressed your whole life. A medical practitioner actually said this to a client, to a patient. That's misinformation and it's willful misinformation. So we've been taught to believe that we should not feel in response to our life. Now, granted, life can be very challenging day to day in our culture. Absolutely. Granted, I get that. But choosing not to feel isn't a solution. Changing our culture is. So how will we become the people that can change our culture? Because understand this point very clearly. There are two kinds of primary transformation. One is transformation through death. And the other is the transformation through love. 
And the transformation through death is revolution. It's the warring, the fighting. There are countries on fire right now trying desperately to transform, and yet they're transforming through death because the old story doesn't believe in any other way to transform. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest gift in the cycle teachings was to teach me as a hard-headed Western scientist that there is another path of transformation and it is ever so much harder and takes even more courage than transformation through death. And that is transformation through love, to turn your enemy into your ally through love and respect and the willingness to transform yourself. If we cannot learn this, the story will be no different. And this is why the courageous heart work is important. And to answer the emails that I've been getting, no, I don't teach it every year. And no, it might not come up again for another few years. So it's happening now. It starts next weekend. It's one weekend here at the end of February and one weekend again in October. That's not a lot to ask for an opportunity to truly transform all four chambers of your heart to awaken exactly the kind of courage that I'm talking about that it's going to take for us to transform our world, our personal selves, and our world into uh, a, a, a revolution, basically, that is happening through love, through the transformation, the true and honest transformation of our enemies into allies, not transformation through death. There will be many little deaths along the way, granted, but not through war, through uprising and destruction. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that, but it is a wheel we are stuck on around the world and we need to cultivate the courage in our heart for this other way of transforming so people create a lot of different strategies to not feel they numb out they freeze their feelings they suppress their feelings or simply deny their feelings um, and truly convince themselves they're not having any feelings at all and these strategies become habits and the habits reinforce the idea of a reality that everything is great and I got my strategies going, I got my feelings suppressed, everything is great. But none of them, not one of them is actually working. Your heart is feeling all the time. You've just created a strategy in your mind to not pay attention to your heart. And then you wonder why you can't find love in your life. You wonder why you're depressed. You created a strategy to not feel that requires you ignore your heart and you wonder why you're depressed. You wonder why you can't quote-unquote love yourself. Right? You've created a strategy to ignore your heart and you're wondering why you can't create the love you're looking for in your life. With yourself, with others, with your work, with your soul's purpose. You wonder why you're sad. You're lonely. You're depressed. You're ignoring your heart because culturally we are rewarded for doing it. So you can't even find your own feelings, much less your own love, if you've convinced your mind to ignore your heart. Nonetheless, there are people who are taking anti-anxiety meds and smoking pot to mediate their lives and they'll still say, everything's great. You know, I'm having panic attacks, but everything's great. I've got it handled. It's all good. Right, right. So why then are you here? I'll ask a new client. If everything's great, why are you here? Because the truth is everything is only superficially great. Actually, in the land of reality, people are ignoring their hearts and experiencing anxiety attacks, feelings of hopelessness and despair, great depths of loneliness, and feelings of being lost and unclear about why they're here or what they're meant to be doing with their lives. The heart is a compass. It is our access to wisdom. That is in our mind. It's our heart. We use our mind to ultimately sort that wisdom out. But our access to wisdom is a power of the heart. But if you've created a life strategy that requires ignoring your heart to get through the day, of course you're lost. 
and you can't find the wisdom that would guide you to discover why you're here, to understand the right choices to make for you and your life. Of course, you look to others for wisdom to guide you, and of course, you are disappointed again and again because that's what happens when we ignore our heart. You know, the heart carries the vision. That's not in the mind. It's actually in the heart. It's received in the heart and handed up to the mind to clarify. But the heart carries the vision. It is the only part of ourselves that is actually clear enough and strong enough to sort through and settle all of what goes on in the mind. I mean, the mind is an amazing little creature. But someone's got to decide, of all of those fabulous ideas, which is the one I need to be doing, all right? But if you've created a life strategy that requires ignoring your heart to get through the day, of course you are undermined again and again by doubt, rendering you ultimately hopeless and despairing. What do you expect if you've decided to ignore your heart? Of course you look to others for clarity to tell you why you're here. And, of course, you're disappointed with their answers again and again. The fullness of the heart is the generative source of love, all the kinds of love we express in our lives. The heart is our access to humanity's endless resource of love. But if you've created a life strategy that requires ignoring your heart to get to the day, of course you're lonely. How could you not be? Your heart is lonely for you. And you are lonely for your heart. And I do not mean that in any pat, trite, new age way. I mean your heart is desperately longing for your presence, for your connection. Not at a workshop, not for a moment, not in a meditation once a day, but as the way that you live your life. And until your heart is no longer lonely for you, you will continue to be lonely for your heart. And the loneliness that comes from our own loneliness for self is the most crippling. And every other loneliness out there in the world is just an excuse to not look at the loneliness in our own heart. So, of course, you look with ever-increasing desperation and ever-increasing half-heartedness for the love of your life in another person, searching for that soulmate everywhere. And, of course, you are disappointed again and again if you are ignoring your heart. And your heart is then lonely for you. Your heart is ultimately the source of your true power, the power that will create in the world in a way that is good for all living things. It is our strength of heart as human that allows us to access this true human capacity to go above and beyond, to do things that seemed unbelievable, things that seemed miraculous, things that could only have happened if we had done it together. There's so much in human history about people that have been willing to move by the courage of their hearts in life and access this profound capacity of a human. Our strength comes out of our heart. And it's not the mind whose health relies on a healthy heart or a physical strength. It all, the, the physical strength and the mental strength of a human relies on the heart and its ability to orchestrate, to move and to orchestrate all the organs, all the energies of the body moving together. And this is a fundamental piece of Chinese medicine. So if you have created a life strategy that requires ignoring your heart to get through the day, you will never access your true strength to heal, to be whole, and to do what you came into this life to do. Because that strength lies in the heart. So it's all about the heart. We cannot thrive in life if our very strategy to get through the day requires ignoring the heart and thus lying to ourselves. We must feel what is there to feel. And ultimately, through our practices, we must feel what was there to be felt that we sidestepped and didn't actually um, take action around. So feelings are, it's important to understand that feelings are like water. 
water in all of its many, many manifestations, you know, deep, still pools, crazy rapids, grand waterfalls, uh, the moving of the tides of the great oceans, the, ta- the tiny, small, sweet, magical ponds that appear, all of these things, the feelings are very, very much like water. It's a beautiful metaphor, but it's also a perfect metaphor because water must move. Water must move to be healthy. So imagine yourself diving into a pool of stagnant, smelly, icky water filled with dead things and nastiness everywhere. Imagine diving in, right? You can't even make yourself jump right? It's nasty. It's a nasty imagination, right? So now imagine that that nasty stagnant pool of smelly water is the situation you've created in your heart by your refusal to feel your feelings. The feelings must move so that the love moves, so that the chi moves, so that your life is healthy and well. So this is the value of taking the time to experience awakening the courageous heart. That awakening the courageous heart will give you access to your heart's wisdom and power and vision and the love uh, in a way that your heart wants you to do it. In other words, the value of awakening the courageous heart, taking, taking the time to engage with others in this particular body of work is that what the spirits have given us through these teachings is a way to access the mind of the heart directly and to follow the path the heart needs to awaken all of its chambers and discover the four aspects of courage and power in the heart and to follow that path in a, in a path that's between heart and spirit In other words, we access the mind of the heart and bypass the cranial mind. So our mind is moved out of the way. It stops trying to make sense out of something it can't make sense of. It stops trying to defend us from something we ask to not be defended from anymore. That that the shamanic aspect. So the courageous heart would be a great thing to bring into business, right? Because it would make people in business, frankly, able to make better business decisions. It would be great. But it's not packaged for the business world because you can't do it without the ability to journey and without a fairly solid ability to journey. Because we need to be able to bypass the cranial brain and access the heart's brain and trust the crazy path the heart will give us to engage in what is necessary for its own healing. And the healing is the transformation uh, through love, not through death, because we don't want to kill off our heart. We want it to be alive and to flourish. So it all needs to be transformed through this logic, through the mind of the heart itself. And this is the piece that people don't get. It's not just a sequence of journeys. It's a template for how we engage the mind of the heart and accept the heart's landscape and, and uh, bow down to the wisdom of the heart and let the heart guide us in the healing that it needs. And in the doing of that, the four chambers of the heart are awakened, the courage in each chamber is awakened, and ultimately the power in each chamber becomes accessible to you again. And then at the end of the series in October, we awaken the chambers officially, shamanically, through ritual in a way that allows you to function wholeheartedly for the rest of your life. And, it gives it, and that's the reason the class extends over time. Because you've got habits right now that uh, protect your heart in certain ways and open your heart in other ways. And the purpose of this course is to give us time following the wisdom of the heart to open the heart as the heart wants to be opened, as it wants to be healed, as it wants to be clarified and made stronger. And to do this to the heart's own standards, not our standards, because our standards are based on the past, which is based on a series of broken hearts. 
And so we are limiting the capacity in our human heart, which is frankly boundless. And it is only the access to the boundless nature of the human heart and the courage that we have as humans to access it and use it and to bring that energy into the decision-making processes that need to happen. It's the only way we're going to end up changing our culture in a way that will be good for the next seven generations. We cannot do it in the way we have been doing it because the way we have been doing it will end up with more and more short-term answers that create gross long-term problems like, for example, fracking. Short-term answer, enormous long-term problems. Need I say more? Okay. So just a reminder, Awakening the Courageous Heart begins February 28th. If you go to my website, you can click to the person who's supporting the class uh, sponsoring the class and get more information and register. It's um, the weekend of February 28th and March 1st and 2nd, and then the last weekend, at, well, October 24th through 26th. I'm not sure that's the last weekend. Okay, so anyway, why does this matter, right? Well, as I said, it's because this is a shamanic process using journeying that allows us to access the brain of the heart and bypass the brain of the mind. And find a different way then to work with the energy that we find um, in our heart. And so why does this matter? Well, pre-contact shamanic cultures, meaning shamanic cultures that were functioning before we and our ancestors got here with our Western way of looking at things, right? They had a very different understanding and expectation for love in their lives. They expected that childlike experience of love and expectation of love, which is, you know, essentially that our parents will provide for all of our needs or that our community will provide for all of our needs, but that basically we will be taken care of by others. Our needs will be met and that we will be loved. That the expectation in pre-contact shamanic cultures is that somewhere around 14, 15, 13 that you will leave that expectation, that childish, though appropriate for a child, after childhood, a very childish expectation and understanding of love. And through the process of your initiation into adulthood, you will see that childishness and drop that expectation and open up to the vast and expansive understanding of the original energy which is why initiation is a ritual because the, the child has to be brought into direct contact with the original love, the original energy that was love. And from that love came the chi and from the chi came the yin and the yang, that that is the function of that initial initiation. To touch that original love and come to understand that I can go forward in the world with the earth as my mother and the sky as my father, as these archetypal energies, and go forward understanding that I am an embodiment of love and I need to show up and act like it. And that what the world needs is my expression of my love, my expression of my love through my unique gifts. It doesn't need me going around demanding everybody else take care of my needs one way or another. So we, contemporary Americans, will only speak for us, although this is probably appropriate for many other countries in the world at this time, we take our idea of romantic love, and in particular, the expression of romantic love through straight, heterosexual, monogamous marriage as the, as the ultimate expression of this romantic love. We don't... We don't realize that this, this idea of love is a very modern invention. It is relatively new. And though it is now uh, the standard for most, most of the Western world, it is not by any means the only expression of love. In fact, romantic love has become a near obsession, supposedly the key to happiness, and that it has obliterated our actual understanding of how we must live to maintain the flow of love in the heart, and how love actually has nothing to do with getting your needs met 
by someone else, having your holes filled by someone else. It has nothing to do with having someone complete you. That to understand original love and to be a living embodiment of that original love is to understand your original wholeness and to awaken the four chambers of your heart to support you in bringing that heart memory of why you're here, why you as this unique embodiment of love is here in the world. So in pre-contact world, spiritual adults um, see love more in terms of something like the expression of Aini. And Aini isn't just another way to understand an exchange of energy. It's not just saying we don't use money anymore, now we're going to barter. That's not the point of Aini at all, actually. Aini is about understanding how every choice I make as I go through the day needs to involve the gratitude for everything that I am engaging with, particularly things I am consuming and using, to understand the full exchange of energy that is happening in a day to get me from the morning to the evening and to be in gratitude for all of that and to live in a way that is deserving of that energy coming to me. And ideally in that day to give out what I have uniquely to give into that great move, movement and flow of energy. So again, it's back to a similar thing we were saying about love in the beginning, that it's about movement. It's about flow. It's about not stagnating. And one of the problems with romantic love after the euphoric falling in love phase is it becomes very stagnating that it needs to grow into richer understandings and expectations and expressions of love. And instead, what most people do is keep hopping from the falling in love to the next falling in love to the next falling in love. You know, as soon as the honeymoon phase is over, they want another honeymoon phase. And it's it's um, comes out of a deep and fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of love and where it comes from in our life. And one of the core teachings of the courageous heart work is recognizing that the love in your life comes out of your own heart and the full-hearted capacity in your own heart to generate love, to be constant generating force of love in your life. And that that's not about other people. It's all about you. And so these pre-contact shamanic cultures understood this. And so they understood that that living in a way that put them in balance and flow with Aini was an expression of love and that their interconnectedness with the corn that they would eat and the babies that they would birth and their interactions with people in their community and the community with the physical world, that these are all expressions of love. These are not mundane. These are not um, non-spiritual, but these are opportunities to commune with the divine these are opportunities to be in love. And so because of this, you know, we have to also remember that indigenous cultures, especially pre-contact indigenous cultures, because they didn't have this romantic expectation of love. It's not that they didn't personally love each other. It's that they didn't have this idea that somehow romantic love was the top of the heap. That instead what they valued was children. Because they are the future. And how to create essentially a unit, which was frankly an economic unit, that would provide for the needs of the child. And whether they did that as individual families or in a communal way, that, that this, this, this community's love for its children in the future is, is a very selfless love. And this um, awareness, and so also aunties, uncles, grandparents – are always looking at the other children. How, how do I recognize or, or to pay attention to recognize that these five children in my community are showing signs of a gift similar to what I have struggled in life with. So I need to show up as their auntie. That's, that's a really mature expression of love and understanding that my expression of my gifts and myself needs to support this greater growth of uh, the children and the future 
and that I commit to the future for all life by giving my gifts to these children, whether they're my blood relations or not. And that this understanding of a, a higher understand, uh, more noble, a more courageous understanding of love. Because, of course, every time we reach out in love to another, we risk the possibility of being rejected. So what? Grow up. Get over it. You know, welcome to the world. That that is not an excuse to not use your heart. But if your heart is awakened and courageous, you won't even think that. The thought won't even cross your mind, oh, if I do this, I'll be rejected. Right? A heart that thinks that isn't awakened yet. You're not in, a, in your courageous heart place yet. You're still moving as a child in the world, being afraid mom and dad or your projections on other people who are mom and dad are now going to reject you. And you know what? It, it's not other people's job to not reject you. It's your job to stop ignoring your heart, rejecting your own heart, and come into relationship with it. And again, what I'm saying very definitively is we need shamanic skills. We need the journey skills to access that mind of the heart to do this in a way the heart needs us to do it. And this is what I believe one of the unique aspects in shamanism. And the shamanic skills is they give us a way to get to the heart without having to go through the mind. The mind is lovely, but it doesn't understand the heart. Frankly, the mind primarily thinks the heart is wrong, but that's another issue. So what we can learn from ancient wisdom is templates for how to understand our heart, how to have a different understanding of love and from that then different expectations of love in our life. And we don't spend so much time having anxiety around things we don't actually need or we don't need to be worrying about. And so what, there are many things we can learn from the ancient um, pre-contact shamanic people about love and about our hearts, even though that's not the focus of most teachings, right? Most teachings are about how to become a shaman. A lot of teachings are about how to change the world. But my point, another point I'm trying to make here is we're not going to change the world. It's not really going to be different if we don't change our relationship with our hearts first so that all the decisions that we make are made differently from a different uh, relationship between the heart and the mind. And so what the, for example, then what we get from this ancient wisdom in particularly in the Awakening the Courageous Heart work is we get to understand not only the complementary dualism present in the heart, which is very Taoistic or shamanic if you understand that capacity in shamanism, but the double nature of that. There's four chambers, um, each set of chambers in this complementary dualism, and so they constantly are working together. Um, and because of this, we often dead end in different uh, practices for healing the heart if that practice doesn't give us the means to access all four chambers simultaneously because they are all always working together, whether that is in function or in dysfunction. And so this indigenous wisdom about the heart and this template of the heart and this way to engage the mind of the heart then allows us to understand through that interrelationship of the chambers this crazy logic that needs to unfold to uh, bring the heart into this state of flow of health, of well-being. Another example of what we gain from the ancient people in having a different understanding, a different expectation of love, especially in adults. I mean, children get to be children, but in adults. A different expectation is from Chinese medicine, we have this um, complementary dualism going on between the inner and outer spirits of the heart. And the inner spirit is the Ling spirit, and the outer spirit is the Shen spirit. And um, what tends to happen if we are, as I've been talking about on this show, ignoring the heart, if we've created these coping mechanisms in our day to not feel what's there to feel and ignore the heart, then we are essentially ignoring the ling. We're no, ignoring the inner spirit of the heart. And we're throwing all of our energy out, heart energy out into the shen. And the shen spirit is um, the heart spirit we show to the world. 
Now the problem is if we're ignoring the ling, then the shin is ignoring the ling as well. And the shin and the ling get very far apart in in the shin's sort of delivery of the heart's message in the world, if it's not constantly checking in with the ling, it's going to get very much off course. And that's why we actually can get into a place where our heart is not guiding us true. And there's a whole lot of teachers will say, well, if it's not guiding you true, it's not your heart. But this, again, is a very limited Western misunderstanding about the heart. And that it is through these ancient teachings, Chinese, shamanic, that we understand the heart is not linear. It is not that simplistic. And that we very much can get into a place where our, the quote-unquote compass of our heart has been hijacked. The Shen is out there operating on its own in relationship with the mind. And we are being guided by our heart off track further and further away from um, a deeper authenticity and truth. And we're going to talk about illusion and authenticity next week, which is kind of where this particular part of the show would go next. And so what Chinese medicine offers us, but also understanding this complementary dualism operating in the heart, is that the Shen needs to constantly check in with the Ling. And the Ling needs to constantly be communicating and offering information to the Shen. And the only way that can happen is if the Ling is not utterly overwhelmed by this unbelievable backlog of stagnant feelings and emotions. And so this is another part of the path that the courageous heart work offers because most people go, oh, God, I've got to dig through all my unexpressed feelings from the time I was like five and stop throwing tantrums. I mean, come on, that's going to take forever. What a mess. I can't even begin to find my way through that. Well, the truth of the matter is much of those feelings are patterns. It's lots of versions of the same feelings over and over and over again. And that by following the logic of the heart, we find a way to work in those patterns of feelings, not every event, but the patterns. And so we actually can find a way through all that. And that becomes possible when, granted, if you were just thinking of needing to dig through all your days of unexpressed feelings and emotions in your whole life so far, yeah, I get it. You'd be like, there's no way. Well, there is. If we can access the mind of the heart without the crazy doubting capacity of the cranial mind, the brain mind. And so what uh, the Ling and the Shen gives us is this understanding that these two spirits of the heart need to be in communication, easy, effortless, joyful communication, just like yin and yang energies. And it's one way to understand the Ling and the Shen of the heart is the yin and the yang of the heart spirit. So the other thing that's important to understand, especially for those of you that are listening to the show and going, well, what about me? I feel everything. But my experience with people who, quote unquote, feel everything, especially when they're feeling other people's feelings, is that what's going on is that there is a lack of protection for your own energy, but also for your heart. And this is another piece of understanding that comes out of indigenous wisdom. It's also manifest in the body, by the way. The physical heart has a pericardium. The pericardium is a separate entity that's job is to protect the heart. The heart does not protect itself physically. And this is also true energetically and spiritually. If you are using your heart to protect itself, you will fail because the heart is not designed to protect itself. So it does so in a way that is enormously energy costly. And ultimately doesn't work very well because it's very inefficient. What is important is that we cultivate an understanding of how we energetically protect the heart, which relies on energetically having a very high quality, a healthy standard for protecting our own energy, which is grounding boundaries. And so the heart protection is an aspect of our energy body that needs to be cultivated for any new action of the heart in the world. And so for people that are feeling too much, it often ties back to this. And it's not that you're feeling too much current feeling. It's that 
because of the lack of heart protection or the ineffective heart protection and boundaries, porous boundaries, um, you're actually being triggered to compete, to keep repeating those pattern feelings that I was talking about. And so once again, you're not actually current with the feelings of your heart. And this is where we would like to get to, is a place where we can be current with the feelings in our heart, have the courage to feel them, whatever they might be, and to not attach to them, but allow them to flow and to move. So we begin as adults to have the healthy emotions that we sometimes see in children, where they move from one emotion to the next like Quicksilver, because they allow their emotions to flow because they haven't learned yet to do anything else. So I invite you all to join me in Tucson. It's nice and warm there right now for Awakening the Courageous Heart. It begins next, uh, oh, begins this weekend, the 28th of February. Um, and then there's time in between for the transformation and the heart chambers are awakened in October. And there'll be follow-through groups in between. So um, you can go to my website, lastmasscenter.org, to get more information and to register for this course. And I strongly encourage you to do that so that we can become the people who will write a truly new story because we've changed our own hearts and we actually hear the dream, uh, feel the dream moving through those hearts in a way that allows us to create a truly new world. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me today. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about illusions and authenticity and how we can use shamanic tools to break through those things. And I give thanks to the ancient ancestors, to the earth below, the sky above, all who gathered around us here today, and to the heart here in the center of each of you and me, to the heart that connects us all. Thank you, everyone.